Welcome back, rugby fans, to another great episode here with a run, pass, or kick interviews from your team at the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Again, an opportunity to introduce ourselves. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside the familiar face and voice of Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. But more importantly, Man of the Hour recently announced as the new Director of Rugby at the Sabercats organization. We have the privilege and honor of introducing a World Cup rugby coach with the Springboks, the Stormers, Stud Francais, Leicester Tigers. The list goes on. Heineken Mayer, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much. It's a big honor and especially my first interview with the you know, US public. So uh, it's a huge honor. Thank you very much. Right. No other interview counts except this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it off to it. <laughs> right, right, yeah. We'll get our grade card then. Yeah. At, at least now we could be considered your favorite. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Lack of competition puts yeah, okay. us at the top. <laughs> So, uh, Heineke, I wanted to be able to, uh, to, to not only remind everybody that your CV is rich. I mean, as, as a rugby resume, it's certainly the pedigree. Very fortunate to be able to have somebody of your caliber who has that World Cup experience, head coaching positions in France, England, South Africa, and the list probably goes on and on, even more than I could probably research. But we're happy to see that you're now going to be plying your trade here on U.S. soil with the Houston Sabercats, uh, which reminds me, by the way, you can see the swanky swag that myself and Rob are uh, sporting on screen provided to us by our friends at shopmlr.com, who, of course, is powered by the team at the rugbyshop.com. So right now, if you haven't already done so, it's probably the best time, Rob, I'm sure you would agree, to yeah. get your gear with those end-of-year sales from Shop MLR. It's just, I believe, like, it's as much as 50% off. So, like, why wouldn't you, right? Right. Well, I mean, well you and, and you can and I just tell everybody? Season. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't any don't order any XLs. Save those for me. I'm planning on picking up a few items myself from Sabercats, especially right. in honor uh, of Heineke. Right. Exactly that. Did you, and, nice, did you look nice in those clothes? Uh, hopefully, we can get more people wearing them in, in the future. Right. And that's exactly it, right? Yeah. It's exactly it. And that's why we do what we do here is to be able to get more people involved and sharing how great this game really is that we all love so much. But talking about sharing, it's an opportunity to be able to hand it over to my colleague, Rob, who's going to share how it works. Thank you, Ty. And again, Hanukkah, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on. For those who are uninitiated, the run, pass, or kick interview style, it works a little like this. We're going to phrase each question or prompt each question with a run, pass, or kick. And Hanukkah is going to tell us which he's going to choose. If he chooses to run with the question, it simply means he's going to go ahead and answer the question straight up. He, of course, can pass on a question, which is to suggest that maybe it's a little hot topic and he might not want to handle that one, so he's going to pass on it and we'll move on to the next question. Or he can have a little fun with us, put us on the defensive, put us on the back foot, and make us answer by saying, guys, I'm going to kick it to you. And if he kicks it to us, that means we got to answer in a way that we think Hanukkah will answer. And he can grade us out. He can tell us we were shite. He can tell us we were great. He can we're spot on, or you can follow up and give it some more context if he likes, but it is entirely up to him. So Hanukkah, are you ready for the run, pass, or kick interview? I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm definitely ready. Don't be nervous. We're going to open up with an easy one now. Break the ice, if you will. So run, pass, or kick, uh, fellow South African, Fauf de Klerk, famously wore his budgies after the box Rugby World Cup victory. So run passer kick. Will you ask GM JT on yet to purchase the boys a team set of Saber Cats budgies? 
Probably not. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I like perfectionism and fun as well, but probably not. I think that doesn't always... So this won't become fun. the uniform standard is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but for Fark, he's a great guy, but uh, probably not. Right. So when you win a World Cup, then you have the right to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like when, you, when you're a champion, you can probably do anything and uh, people will have you for it. So I've learned a lot of lessons in that, in that regard. Right, right, right. So I love the fact that, you know, just a little bit off the topic here, but, you know, we're having some fun, break out the ice, as, as Rob mentioned. So I remember years ago while living in South Africa, there was an old movie. It was around about 95, a Hikundi Boka, right? So um, they had the scene with the guy standing in his South African budgies that was pretty much exactly the same as the ones that Fat the Clack wore. Um, so it was great to be able to see that come back into it. But it had the quote, you know, while the guy was wearing his uh, South African uh, uh, banana hammock and uh, he said, you know, I support my country because my country supports me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, kind of a little bit of fun there. But it gives me the opportunity to dive into the rugby question. As Rob yeah. said, we like to use that to kind of break the ice. You fielded the first ball. The nerves are out the way. Let's get into some rugby. So talking about that, run, pass, or kick here. You have coached in South Africa, England, France, as I mentioned before. But here lies the important question. Run, pass, or kick. In which of these countries is there the most pressure to perform? Um, definitely in South Africa, by far. Uh, France is probably the most difficult to coach because it's a different culture and, and there's a big language barrier. But uh, South Africa, it's a religion in our country. You have to win, especially as a national coach. You're almost more under pressure than the, than the president. Right. Country, it's a religion and, uh, you know, there's no in-between. You have to win. But again, it's a huge honor and, and probably the same honor for me to, uh, to coach now in Houston. Right. So we should call you president from now on, right? <laughs> right. So I, I'm going to step up to the next question because it really leads to the reason why you were brought to Houston. Recently, you opened up about your tenure as the box coach in a published book. In this, you spoke about the hardships you and your family had to endure. The Saturday Star quoting you as having said it's really tough for the family they got crucified. The kids read social media, and so it was really tough on them. So run, pass, or kick, what can you tell us about this book and how these experiences have shaped your coaching career? Yeah, I wrote the book. I never wanted to, to, to write the book because, uh, you know, I don't want people to read about autobiography and where I grew up and things like that. I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm quite positive or very positive, and I like to inspire people. That's why I've always coached. You know, I've coached in amateur days as well. And a lot of people have asked me, you know, we had a really great season. And I say, we ran at the Bulls. We, you know, that team won everything. And I said, I never want to write a book because you have to be controversial if you want to sell books. And you have to, you know, that's not my style. My style is to make a difference in people's lives and to inspire people. So I didn't want to run, write the book at first. And then when COVID hit, I thought, you know, I really want to do something positive, especially for the people out there that struggles. And, uh, dedicated to my three sons because I haven't been at home that much and they never listened. So I wanted to write, to write the book for them to at least listen if I'm not there. And then, you know, believe it or not, I got COVID and I was so happy to write the book because a lot of the things, it's, it's more, it's not just rugby, it's about life and it's life lessons. And I had unbelievable feedback from around the world. And, uh, you know, it sounds, it sounds like this is a cliche, but I really coached to make a difference. And a lot of people said it made a big difference in their lives. So I'm fortunate, you know, I make money out of the book, you know, I financed it myself. But now looking back, I'm really happy and, um, you know, because I thought, you know, I did something different. 
Right. So just uh, for the sake of those fans who did want to learn more about that, where can they get that book now? Yeah, in uh, outside of South Africa, it's it's uh, you know on Amazon, uh, and in South Africa, obviously in all the bookstores, and we're probably going to do audio as well. But uh, now I've got a new venture, so uh, I get bored easily, and uh, <laughs> so uh, it was a top seller in South Africa, um, especially in these difficult times. But uh, yeah, a lot of people from around the world. You know, I was I was really you know, uh, humbled uh, because in India and and all over the world, uh, you know, I couldn't right. do so many. And that's why I love rack, you know, rack brings people together, you know, if you look at Absolutely. politics, everything, it divides people, but rack always brings people together. And it's so great to have people from around the world reading it. And uh, that's why I coach, you know, it's it's unbelievable honor to, to coach around the world and to make new friends. Um, I'm still old school, you know, I, I got involved in coaching, just, just it's so different and it's so great to meet different nationalities and different people. So it's a huge honor to coach. Right. If I send a, my own copy of, of the book down to Houston in a few months, can can you sign it for me and, and get it back to me? Because I'd love to <laughs> I'd love to have my own you personal can, copy. <laughs> you don't have to sign one. I'll bring you one and uh, I'll give you one for free if you do want to read it. And I'll definitely sign it. And like I said, you guys are the first interview I've done and got to write close. I'll definitely sign you one. I'm not fantastic. Gonna I'm not going to let I'll give you one. Oh no, I yeah I love I I love the books about leadership because like right. I'm an educator. By, by profession. So uh, like you, I, I got in it to help people, to uh, enrich people's lives. And so I think for me, the book will be real applicable. Yeah, I look so forward sad. to it. I know it's a fun program, but especially in our country and, and around the world, I think we need more leaders. We've got so many managers, yeah. but uh, we need you know, more leaders. And uh, it's great that we have educators around the world that want to make a difference. Right. And that's exactly what we're going to zero in on during the course of this interview. Is that leadership uh, aspect that you spoke about. Um, and let me take the opportunity to dive into the next question while I have the mic here. So once again, one, run, pass, or kick. You were the Springboks coach for the historic 34-32 loss to Japan in the Rugby World Cup of 2015, often referred to by fans as the miracle of Brighton. Although as a South African myself, <laughs> you know, it's not a very uh, a, a fun thing to be able to remember, but it's relevant, right? And you speak about these challenges in that same book. So once again, here lies the question. Of course, Japan then went on to host a very successful World Cup of their own much later on in 2019. What does the U.S. have to do in the coming years to achieve some of the same success that Japan has? Yeah, I think... Um you know what Japan has done well. I remember when they just started. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of our guys, you know, went over to Japan to play, and guys thought it's, a, you know, it's, it's just you know, for money. It's never going to last. It's a joke. I think the one thing that Japan got right is they got the best coaches from around the world. There's a lot of my, you know, guy like Steve Hansen coaching the All Blacks. We had huge, right. huge, right, great friends, and and a lot of my my friends is coaching in Japan. So first of all, they got brilliant coaches now there. So it's improved their players, and uh, and they also got world class players uh, at, at first, and that you know that lift. If you play with great players, you learn from them. You, I've still learned. Mm-hmm. From it also uplifted their players. Uh, and then obviously the thing that people don't realize is that uh, the Japanese got an unbelievable work ethic. You know the guys. I've just met the guy now again, one of my friends coaching there. It's unbelievable how these guys got the work ethic. So I think it's very important that, uh, um, you know, the States, I think, is definitely on the right path. It's, it's a sleeping giant. That's why I want to get involved. I like something new. I like where it's exciting. 
And first of all, like getting there's some great coaches in, in the competition I've seen. Uh, resume doesn't count anything once you once you're on grass. Right. Uh, there's some great coaches coming, and they're also getting some great players in. Uh, I know this is a sensitive matter, so I don't want to go too much into it. But you also have to um, probably look at the salary cap because uh, if, if they can, and I know it's, money is always a problem. But uh, in in Japan, you know, they they offered some great contracts to the to the players, and they subtracted a lot of the best players in the world. Now, most of the top players are all playing in, in Japan. They're not playing uh, in, in, in Europe anymore. And they're getting the best players and their leagues exploded. So uh, if you have some money that you can put in, and hopefully it will grow in the States, that uh, you'll get some quality players at, the, you know, at their best, not at the end of their careers or the beginning of their careers. That will lift mm-hmm. the whole. And, and sponsors will come in. TV will come in. But I think, you know, I really think... Uh, that they're on the right track. I really think there's more and more guys speaking about it, the, the competition. More players wants to come there and the more coaches. You know, I can't tell you how many coaches have phoned me and said, listen, it's a huge opportunity. You know, you're doing something great and um, they want to follow. So I think it's just a question of time that, you know, that the States will be really, really in the same league as Japan. And, and uh, the thing that excites me is there's unbelievable athletes. You know, if you look at the athletes, there's unbelievable athletes in the States where Japan has got a lot of foreigners that qualify for Japan. But the States got so many great, great athletes, and um, you know, I don't have to tell you that. So I'm, I'm very, very excited, and, and I think they're on the right track already. Hanukkah, you talked and mentioned something that really resonated with me right into this next question, and it's about the fact that your colleagues and other people you've spoken with that play in rugby-rich countries are starting to take notice of Major League Rugby. So herein lies my question. Run, pass, or kick. Many fans of Major League Rugby love the game and want to see it grow. So how do we get the more rugby-mad countries like South Africa, like New Zealand, and many parts of Europe to begin to tune into and enjoy Major League Rugby? I think it will start, again, once we this, this I mean, I've started watching a while ago, and uh, once you get some, you know, especially, I never realized, and that's what stuck for me when I was a national coach, and I never realized the, the um, you know, the influence of social media. Uh, you know, if, if you're a national coach, you stay away from social media because yeah. if you win, you're a champion. If you lose, they want to kill you. Right, a blessing and a curse. <laughs> exactly. So I've just I've just started with social media. I'm probably going to stop now again. But uh, you know, it's great. Even in South Africa, uh, especially the kids. You know, you, you know, there's some quality guys like Rob Shaw playing there, guitars of the world. There's a lot of guys, and suddenly people follow them. And I can see guys like South African stars. They're quite friends with these guys and uh, because they've played against each other. And now it's, it becomes a big social media thing to see where certain guys and some South Africans are starting to play their youngsters. So I definitely think, um, you know, it's going to be much more interest. And uh, we've got a lot of respect for the, for the Sevens team. You know, once that team is going mm-hmm. to be better, especially the Olympics, it will bring more, um, you know, more people watching and uh, it will bring more fans to the stadium. So uh, it's really exciting times. I think, yeah, I think you're in a great, great uh, uh, position. And uh, rugby is going to grow as a sport, and I think um, that's what I say. I want to be part of it, but I think you're ready on the right. right track. Getting in at the ground level, right? It's exciting opportunity for for a sport in a, a sports mad culture, right? I mean, the US is is one of those nations that you get this feeling if they decide to be able to throw their weight behind a sport, give it enough resources to grow, and inside of ten years they'll be a serious player. And as you pointed out, 
the very same thing happened in the sevens, uh, especially when it gained momentum through the 2016 uh, Olympic Games, because now there's a medal to compete for. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's drawn a lot of eyes to rugby, and that attention will turn as it is now towards Major League Rugby. Yes, and If I could jump in, sorry. Sure. I think, I think it will be great, and I think, you know, you guys, you know how to do something great and do something bigger than the rest of the world. So if they can host the World Cup, which I know they're busy um, uh-huh. looking at, that will be massive for the sport. That's what happened yeah. in Japan now, and that will be massive for the sport. And I think World Rugby needs something new. They need a strong uh, you know, US, so that right. be great. And that's something that Rob and I have spoken about, and our colleague Scott, who's not here with us today, that um, World Rugby almost – once like needs to have North American rugby flourish, right? Because it's a natural breeding ground for, for a new market, for new players, an entirely new TV market as well, which is already a very profitable uh, uh, market for other sports. So why wouldn't you want to be able to tap into it? And to your point about hosting a rugby world cup, the one thing I have learned in my time here in the U S is they know how to put on a good show. (laughs) So let's take the opportunity to dive into the next question and talk a little bit about your experience coming to the MLR. So run, pass, or kick, Hanukkah, with such a great rugby resume, CV, if you will, what made you decide to apply your talents here in Major League Rugby, and more specifically, why the Houston Sabercats? Yeah, no, I'll answer. I'm not, not scared to answer questions. Right, just run at everything, man. <laughs> <laughs> Probably give you some work to do. <laughs> no, you know, I thought I'm going to stop rugby because I've achieved most of what I've, what I've wanted to achieve. Uh, and uh, I stay now in one of the most beautiful places in the world, close to the beach, and it's a very small little town. And I started rugby. I'm very sentimental. So I thought I'm going to start the rugby team. Yeah, I, you know, I said to you way back, they would lost all their games by another 40 plus. And then we went to the semis. Semis, it's unheard of. First time in 100 years. And uh, it's a team if it's, it's not me. And then I thought, no, I'm just going to add enough. I'm going to spend more family time and... Uh, but I've coached my whole life, you know, since I was 17, I've probably coached. And people always say, I know you will never, ever, ever get out of rugby. And I said, no, <laughs> this is the last time. And I said, listen, you'll talk in a year or two. So right. I had a break, year and a half. And, um, you know, I don't want to go to a country now because I've spent so much time away from home. And then Mike and the owners, you know, phoned me. And uh, I work for people I respect. And they were brilliant. You know, they were brilliant. They were upfront and said, listen, you know, we really want you to to think about it. And uh, at first I thought, you know, America, I haven't thought about it, but I like new challenges. Um, I've, I've coached in amateur days where I didn't get paid. So I like a big challenge. I like, I'm very excited about uh, where American rugby is going and I want to be part of something special. And uh, like I said a few times, I want to make a difference in people's lives. Obviously they need a winning team. So mm-hmm. uh, fortunately they were, they were the only people that spoke to me. I thought nobody else wanted me. So, uh, <laughs> I doubt that's the case. It's just they were the first one on the yeah. phone, just like our podcast. I'm sure there's other guys you're going to be no, cheating on us with when the podcast, but we were there first. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of you know, a lot of things in Europe, but you know, I like something new, and uh, it's just a great challenge. And uh, again, I've met you guys and, and some new people, and uh, it sounds like a great opportunity. And I'm excited. It's really excited, and they've been backwards to accommodate me. So uh, it's been a great journey up till now. So looking forward. So on that note, let's talk more specifically about the Sabercats. Uh, they have yet had another disappointing season here in 2021, and they've been referred to by many fans as perpetual underperformers of the MLR. How do you respond to those people that say something like that, run, pass, or kick? Well, I'll answer. Um, 
you know, I'm always talk straight. You know, there's no use, uh, you yeah. know, saying things that you don't mean. Obviously, they haven't played the way they can, but sometimes, you know, it doesn't just work for you. Um, and, um, you know, I, I really believe that, you, you know, I really want to make the fans happy. So they've got some quality players there. Uh, sometimes you just need some momentum, some small tweaks here and there. So um, obviously not their best season yet, but I'm the last guy to comment on that. You know, I haven't been there. I know it's tough. And there's some quality teams there and some quality coaches. But uh, my job, I don't want to look into the past. I'm, you know, with a small few minor changes, I think they can be, uh, they can be really be successful. It's not going to be easy. I never overpromise and underdeliver. It's going to be really tough, especially the first year. I think we're way behind. But uh, it's exciting. I've, I've always liked taking teams at the bottom of the, of the lock. And um, then you can grow as a team and you can, you know, you've got a new culture. Uh, the owners, Mike and them and JP, all these guys that's involved are very excited. They want to go places. So uh, I'm honored to be part of it. But uh, I think we need to look at the future. We're way behind. Um, but uh, there's no way why we can't catch up. But it's also going to be tough. You know, I'm not a magician. I'm not, uh, it's not as easy. There's some great coaches out there, some great players and other teams. But it's exciting times and I look at the positive. Uh, there's no way uh, I've done it before. Uh, you need a great team, you need uh, great players, and you need a great uh, owner that you can respect. And I've been very, very much, uh, you know, really happy with the way they treated me so far. And you want the most important thing: you want the fans behind you. You know, if we can get the fans behind us, uh, there's a, energy is a strange thing. You know, once there's energy, it's momentum. You can't stop it. And I always say in my leadership courses: it's like a magnifying glass. You know, magnifying glass. If you're all over the show, there's no energy. But if you focus, everybody's in the same direction, working for a bigger goal, working for each other. Wow, you can, you can start a fire that can that can destroy a country. So hopefully, I can give that spark. But it's going to be a team effort. You know, I'm uh, a resume doesn't doesn't mean anything. You need a team around you. You need good people around you. I'm only you know only one human being. But I'm really excited and really pumped up for this job. Yeah, and you know, as you said before, uh, you know, it's about that momentum, and the momentum hasn't been with them this season, unfortunately, in the past though too. And then the confidence that comes with that momentum, and that's what people are taking away from your appointment, is a renewed confidence in the franchise. And with your positivity already going into it, I'm sure it's going to translate into some great success on the field too. But as you said, there's many partners that make that happen from the players, uh, the fans, to the organization itself. But it seems that those things are starting to fall into place and you will be a key player in bringing all those parts together, I'm sure. And talking about those parts, uh, I have the opportunity to give you the next question here. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the Sabercats there. And with that theme in mind, run, pass, or kick. Have you had a chance uh, yet to assess the strengths and weaknesses of the Houston Sabercats organization as a whole? Um, if so, what do you think will be the game plan moving forward to turn this franchise into a winning team? I... Uh... I believe in teamwork, so uh, you know I've answered all the questions. So I'm probably going to keep that one to you. Uh, I always say I've got simple taste. I right. Me with the... So uh, you probably know better than me. So I'll keep that one to you, and uh, you know I'll learn from that. I'm, I think well, <laughs> no pressure, Ty. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no pressure. And uh, I'll, I'll learn. I'm going to take notes here from your answers. So okay, you okay, all right. Well. Yeah, no pressure, right? You know, in my years of professional experience as a coach, um, <laughs> obviously my answer is not going to be probably as in-depth as yours. But, you know, at a surface level, I think most fans look at, at the energy, as you said, 
uh, is so important, the momentum it being important. And these are parts that have not worked in the favor for the Sabercats this season or even the previous seasons, regardless of the fact that they have probably arguably the best venue around and the best support and structure around. It's just not translating into the on-field success. Um, but you know it just as well as I know, and I'm sure the fans will recognize it too. Once you get a consistent, like one win will br- get you another win. That win will get you another win. And it just needs to be a little bit more focused on a game by game and build the momentum. Too much pressure can be put upon an organization and the players when they know that that goal is so far away and sometimes seems unattainable. It's going to be a series of, of, of short-term goals and building through success together to reach that confidence. I don't think it's a question about players being committed. I don't think it's a question about the organization not being committed enough. I do think one of the great factors that is now going to be different as to what they had this season is your position. Coaches being asked to be the GM plus the coach plus the marketing guy plus this plus that, you know, is is too much of a burden. Your position is going to be important to be able to give the overall mentorship that you need, the room for the coach to actually coach and the players to continue doing what they do best instead of being split in several different directions. So I guess my answer is a little bit more focused on your on your your goals that's just right ahead of you and build that momentum step by step. How does that sound? That sounds brilliant. That sounds brilliant. All right. The one thing so, I can add, and probably not my, I don't know if it's against the, the rules, if I can add something. Go ahead. But, it, you know, rugby is a simple game. And I always, I always said I'm not the best coach, but I'm probably a very good judge of character. Mm-hmm. Character yeah. to me is like, it's like, it's like uh, in South Africa we do a lot of barbecues and hopefully uh, in the States as well. So I'm looking forward to that. You might say braai. Braai. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I say, you know, you know, for me, it's like charcoal or coal doesn't, doesn't mean anything. But once you put pressure on coal through years and years and millions of years, you get diamonds. Right. So I'm a judgment of character. I, I, will, I always speak players that uh, under pressure, they become diamonds. And that's the secret. It's not game plans. It's not, you need players playing for each other, dying for each other. I know it's tough in these times to say that word. But players that really, you know, not the best players that win trophies. It's not the best teams. It's guys that, that sign shines under pressure. Mm-hmm. And I'm culture you know culture comes before anything and if you have the right culture uh and they take the pressure then they enjoy the pressure you know you need guys to enjoy the pressure and enjoy to be uh be put under pressure so uh i think probably judging getting the right guys to work together that's probably the secret i think absolutely and it's funny you talk about the joy of rugby and i'm going to share just uh the joy of rugby uh, that we get through one of our partners, and that's Tighthead Brewing Company at Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, in the heart of Lake County, owner Bruce Dern and his Tighthead staff will ensure you are kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and families can meet, socialize, and enjoy the action of every major league rugby derby that will has electrified the 2021 season. Head to Tighthead. On Sunday, August 1st at 3 p.m. to see the Major League Rugby Final. If the 2021 season is any indication, the fight for the MLR Shield should be a cracker. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. So uh, we want to continue with the interview. We appreciate your patience while we pay some of the bills with an advertisement there. But it does have a nice tie-in because uh, you – well. 
some of the some of the quick tap questions here that I'm going to be asking will tie right into some of the things that you said, Heineke, and uh, and and some of the things in our our, our advertisements there. So um, we're just going to give you an either or choice, and you tell us which you would choose. Again, you don't have to explain it; you can explain it. It's entirely up to you. No rules here, my friend. So the first one is beer, Castle Lager, or Black Label. Castle Lager. A true Baki, right? Okay. Uh, we were just talking about this a moment ago. Sunday afternoon, an American barbecue or a South African braai? Uh, I won't say something if I haven't experienced it, so I'm looking forward to the braai. Then, then I'll make the decision. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Fair enough, right? Hey, I tell you what, in Texas, there doesn't get much better barbecue than down there, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it. That, 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 I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, what about your preferred automobile? A Mercedes or a truck, a.k.a. a bookie? I'm not sure I, I pronounce it right. Whatever, whatever gets me to the stadium, I don't mind. I'm not <laughs> serious. I don't care. Probably, probably a, a, a bucket, a, pick, a pickup truck. I'll probably go that yeah. way. Okay. And they're uh, really big trucks here, by the way. Much yeah. larger yes. than your Hilux back home. <laughs> that's probably what I was driving. Okay. Um, your choice of vacation, beach or safari? Definitely safari in the bush with a big barbecue. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds good. Hey, listen, you're going to the right place in America. They love to go out in the backwoods. They love to hunt and they love their barbecue. So you're going to the right place. That's exactly what I love. (laughs) Last one. I'm going to, I've got a fresh one here. More important to get right. Quality nine or a quality 10. You probably need both, but I'll probably go for a quality nine. If 10 doesn't get good uh, service, there's nothing you can do about it. So probably nine. Right. That's a really fair question and, and great answer. Rob threw that one in as an ad lib, and that was that was pretty gold there. I like that one. Um, well, I'm going to take the opportunity to throw the next question your way, and uh, I'm hoping you don't throw it back at me. <laughs> so here we go. Run, pass, or kick. You went to the University of Pretoria and studied sports and psychology. How do you change the mindset when taking over a team like the Sabercats, or of course, we referred to a little bit earlier, fans have mentioned as the perpetual underperformers of MLR and the back of a tough season again. With that in mind, how do you approach that that uh, that team that has struggled on the pitch over the last couple of seasons? How do you begin to help change that mindset? I think that's very easy. I said to I've uh, been with teams that when I started with the Bulls, they haven't won one game, and that's been in the toughest competitions in the world, and and uh, you know small smaller competitions, and uh, everything starts with me with a vision. You have to sell a dream to people, and the bigger the vision, the more the energy. You know. Mm-hmm. And, Remember with the Bulls, if I can answer this a little bit longer, yeah. is that they were lost every single year they were lost. And uh, we had a camp, and my vision for the team was to be the best team in the world, the best club team in the world. And the first year, we lost everything. And my team manager took it off, and he says, no, this is embarrassing. And I said, listen, we're going to get there. Uh, this is just the first year. We'll get there. I was fired in between as well. And keep on fighting back. And then in uh, in a few years, in our second year, we won, we won the carry cup and won it four out of five years and uh, mm. in our fifth, sixth year we won uh, against one of the best teams ever, still one of the best teams the Crusaders of New Zealand, we won uh, them, beat them in the semi and won the Super Rugby and then uh, my manager came in and took out this board we had big, you know, big board putting in we want to be the best team in the world, teams need to come in there and learn 
And uh, he said, you know what, I thought you were crazy because we've lost every single game. People laughed at us. And now we're the best team in, in the world, the best slap team at that. So uh, you just need somebody to believe in the vision. Uh, the bigger the vision, the more the energy. So, uh, and again, I don't, I don't believe in arrogance. You have to prove it. But, uh, so I'm not going to tell you what's our vision or what's my vision for the team. But if you only think uh, in the States, I think you think too small. There won't be enough energy to, you know, to, to, to be world-class. So uh, it's all about the thinking process. It's not the way you train. It's not if you train hard, everybody trains hard. It's not buying players in. It's just a thinking process for me. So the bigger the vision, the, the bigger the energy, the bigger the work ethic, guys start to play for each other and bigger the enjoyment. So seven steps I also mentioned in my book. So everything starts with a, with a, with a vision. And believe it or not, um, I didn't have a lot of mentors. I started coaching when, when I was a youngster. But one of my one of my mentors, uh, I've never met him, was Vince Lombardi, a well-known uh, mm-hmm. American football coach. And he said, you know, uh, big dreams stirs a man's blood. So I read all these books as a young coach, and I believe in that. You know, the bigger the dream, we have to have very, very big dreams for, uh, you know, for Houston. I remember at the Bulls, there were five, 6,000 people in, in the stadium. And I said... Uh, I wish I could see the stadium, just 60,000 people full up once. And in 2007, 11 games on the trot before the stadium. There wasn't, there wasn't space. People were queuing to get into the stadium. So I don't think that's, that's that difficult. Uh, it is a mind shift and get players to believe in that. And then the artwork starts. So that's probably the most easiest for me. That's awesome, Hunnigan. There's a Again, I go back to what I said earlier. As an educator, as a leader, there's a lot of things in what you said that I that resonated with me that I can take away from moving forward. So I really appreciate your words. And again, I can't wait to read your book. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you mentioned and you've talked a little bit about players and answering a few of the questions. Um, run past your kick. We can expect the Sabercats roster to be different next season. So again, run past your kick. What kind of identity would you like to create within the roster for 2022? Yeah, again, like I said to you, um, I just guys need guys that's hungry, uh, guys that really wants to play for each other, and guys I don't believe in prima donnas. I don't believe in superstars. I don't believe in guys that's bigger than the team. I, I need guys that uh, I don't care that you know talent is overrated. Uh, I don't believe in talent. You know, hard to work always be talent. Yeah. So uh, I need guys that want to want to. If they're there for the money, they probably won't be there for long. Um, I'm, I'm not going there for the money, I'll be honest. There's much more money in Japan and Europe. I'm going there <laughs> to, to, to try and win trophies and to make, the, you know, to make our fans proud. And to, uh, You need to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, there's no, no use in, in going there. So uh, you need quality people. You don't win with superstars. You don't win with prima donnas. You win with down-to-earth good guys that work for each other. And uh, that's the identity. There will be changes, obviously. But, um, you know, guys either fit in or, or not. And uh, I don't vouch on that. The biggest mistakes I made is actually when I start to compromise. And once you compromise, you lose your identity. Yeah. So for me, right. culture is before anything. Culture is before game plans. You know, most of the teams play the same game plans. It's all about culture and uh, playing for each other and guys hungry to uh, – and, and guys, like I said, having a big, big vision to be, to be the best team in the world. That's as easy as that. Well, right. I, I know there are a lot of, uh, of Sabercats fans that when they listen to this, and I'm thinking of a guy like Grant Cole, who are going to be absolutely ecstatic. They're, they're getting somebody of your caliber uh, in in their club, and they're going to be 
even more ecstatic when they hear the words that you're talking about in terms of hard work and work ethic and, um, you know, putting your nose to the grindstone and having a yeah. vision and creating some excitement for fans and something that they can be proud Man, of. I think I'm going to be wearing my Sabercats <laughs> jersey more often next season too. <laughs> I'm feeling inspired here. <laughs> Listen, it's easy to talk. It's, I promise you there's some good coaches and good teams. So it's, it's, it's not, it's going to take hard work. It's, not, yeah. it's going to not be a miracle. It's going to be really hard to work. Right. And, and that's what I think that, that, to the credit of the organization at Houston, you know, everybody in between, all the players in between, everybody else, the fans, they have that spirit in bundles, right? Because, you know, having spoken to JT recently before, you know, setting up this interview, he pointed out that even though the success on field has been somewhat, you know, lacking, uh, to say the least, this season, the attendance numbers have actually risen. Whereas you pointed out with the Bulls, at one point you were down to five or 6,000 filling a massive stadium, right? And so with the success, more tickets were sold, more bums in seats. And, you know, kind of, again, talking about that confidence that grows, the brand itself gets more exposure, more people believe in the vision, right? And that goes not only from the players and the organization, but to those at home who have put a lot of time and effort into supporting organizations like Houston Sabercats, who now can walk away or having watched this episode, hopefully feel a renewed sense of energy and pride of what's to come. And uh, I, I think that's a credit to you right now that you're, you, you've got that, that sense and that ability to inspire uh, through that experience. Because as you said, you know, rugby resumes are, 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 you put in your own words, mean nothing until you're actually on the field and produce the results. But you can't discredit it. I mean, you've been there. You've done it. You've gone through some of the trials and tribulations. So with that comes a great sense of confidence for, for guys like Rob and I who are looking at the Sabercats going, we know it's good. It's just something's missing. And uh, we hope to see all those parts come into play with somebody like yourself as a director of rugby. And I know I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent, but it's leading into my next question here, um, talking about your directorship. So here we go, Heineke. With this, with this in mind, I wanted to be able to ask, because a lot of people are curious about this. It's a new role that's almost been created for you. So as the Sabercats director of rugby, run parcel kick, how much guidance will you provide, directly provide to the coaching staff and what influence do you have over the team in that regard? Yeah, like I said, you know, um, just to go one step back, people... Fans will forgive you if you lose games, but they won't forgive you. Don't put your body on the line. They don't right. play. They don't show they want to win. And it's the same with me. You know, I could have sit in South Africa, and I've got a really great place where I stay. I don't have a lot of money, but money is not important to me. Not that much important. But uh, it's easy to consult via Zoom, via whatever. And I, you know, I just consult the whole time, like most of the top coaches in the world do. For me, it's not it's not the right example because uh, players need to feel you there. So I'm going to be very very much hands on as well. And I could have been a consultant to people in South Africa and around the world say you're crazy. You know, reputation is going to go down the line. Um, you know, you really, it's, it's a big, big, big challenge. And you should have stayed at consultants because uh, if they do well, you obviously get a credit. And if they lose, you say, well, they didn't listen. I don't <laughs> There's no downside there. <laughs> Back then, you're quality, apparently a quality coach. Right. You, know, you have to. You have to show the organization, and I just, you know, I really care about the players. You have to show them that you that you committed. Otherwise, there's no way they can be committed. And, you know, the leader, the, the pack always follow the, 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 the example of the leader. Um, you know, you, you, have to, you have to show. 
So I'm going to be very, very much hands-on. And I've asked to be the, the director because uh, I want to look at all the structures. I'm very, very keen on young players. I want to look at the academy and, and the, the B side and the, and, the, and the national side. And obviously, the, the first day I'll be very, very much involved. I've already spoken to head coach and assistants and guys I trust, guys I guided for, for a long time. So I'll be very, very much hands-on, not just not just on off-field stuff, but on-field stuff, especially the first year or two. Um, so, yeah, you know, the back stops with me. And um, like I said, the easy way is just to say I'll just consult for the team and then don't take responsibility. I don't believe in that. I, I expect the players to take responsibility. So I have to take responsibility as well. And uh, my reputation is big on the line. And like I said, there's some great coaches there and some great teams and we're way behind. But uh, that's the challenge, you know, and... Uh, I always believe you only live once, and if you play it right, you know, once is enough. So uh, I'm getting older. So, uh, you know, I, I like to be in the fire. I like to rather be in the arena than sitting in the stands and just criticizing. And, and uh, you know, I want to make a difference and be in the arena. So looking forward to that. So, Heineke, we just have a couple more questions left, and we're going to zoom out a little bit um, on rugby in the United States and North America, Canada as well. We can't forget our friends to the north. But um, run, pass, or kick, South African teams are known for being strong scrummagers. What are your thoughts on the new laws being trialed in the league this season, in particular the two-scrum reset law? I'm going to kick that to you guys, and then enough about that. <laughs> You're going to kick that to Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer. I don't know enough, so we'll probably learn from you guys. Yeah. So I'll kick it back to you. So, so Ty Field of the last uh, kick, so I'll, I'll go ahead and feel this when I'm comfortable with that. There's been a couple of big law changes, all the law changes for fans that don't know. The attempt by the leagues to speed up the game, right? Uh, you know, in, in America, baseball games went from like two hours and 15 minutes to like three hours and a, you know, three and a half hours. And I think the, that the uh, commissioner, Killebrew, and his and his management group really thought about let's make this an experience that people can enjoy, but let's not over overcook it either. Uh, one of those is the scrum reset law, and and, I, and there are two sides of the coin here. One of them is that it does speed up the game. The other one is it the criticism is it takes away from strong scrummaging teams. And I've been of the mindset that I like the idea and spirit behind the scrum reset in terms of managing uh, the time frame of play. Uh, but I feel it also does take away from those strong scrummaging teams. So I kind of proposed maybe uh, a, a modification in that if there's another reset, that perhaps that um, the team should get uh, to advance the ball by five or 10 meters closer to the try line. That way it encourages the defending team to be a bit more technical in the scrum and provide a more stable scrum. How'd I do? Brilliant. I think just to add in, what you don't want, is, and that happened at France at one stage, now they're back to, you know, the French are now playing really good rugby. Again, a lot of mm -hmm. foreigners, a lot of different ideas. But what you don't want to do is, it happened in France, big, solid guys, 140 kgs, and it's, the game goes from scrum to scrum. Obviously, I'm South Africa, I like scrums, that's how we, won, how we won the World Cup. But you have to find a balance, you know. I don't like to see these big, big guys... Not athletes, 113, you go from scrum to scrum. Uh, and you mm -hmm. win games by scrummaging. So you have to find the balance. You know, what you don't want to see is, is an is a, uh, Australian league where there's like eight guys, all the same weight, same size, and there's no scrum. So it's just athletes. You have right. to, what I love about rugby, the small guys like a Kobe, probably the best in the world now, and a big guy can play. But you don't want a slow, sluggish game where you from scrum to scrum, more to more. You want balance, and, and you're 100% right. 
It needs to be a quicker game, but scrums will always be important. You know, otherwise we, we go the way of rugby league and uh, 13 guys all the same. Uh, I don't know if we go that, that way. You have to find balance and hopefully a quicker game. We need a quicker game. Right. And that's the mission there is that they wanted to be able to create a more exciting brand of rugby that can be alluring to uh, to Americans and Canadians alike. So they'll tune in and see an exciting matchup that isn't just, you know, driven by set plays because that's what they experience in football, right? And and you know, so it 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 translates well for the moment. I mean, yet we're still yet to be able to see what the result will be at the end of the season or what the stats are if it actually has provided more ball time in play. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's it's an interesting point uh, that you know Rob echoed very much the same of what I would say is that the criticism would be that if there are only two resets and then eventually it would change hands, um, you know, team would be penalized if they continue to be able to uh, to fall at the the scrum down time or whatever it may be, it, it kind of does disadvantage a team that actually has the great scrummaging ability and, and takes away those important moments. But I guess, you know, that's what makes rugby in America unique is that you can, I, you know, as it's evolving, find what defines American rugby and you're going to be a part of that, uh, which as you said in the much earlier part of this, it's exciting to be at the ground level to be a part of that foundation. So uh, as Rob mentioned, what we like to be able to do is we come closer towards the end of, uh, of our interviews, and we've got just a couple of questions lined up before we head out here, is we're going to want you to start thinking about a shout-out you're going to send to friends and family back home, any important mission you wanted to draw attention to, any charity you wanted to be able to make people aware of. We're going to give you that opportunity at the very end. So start thinking about that. But in the meantime, uh, let's move on to our, I believe it's the 13th question, and then we'll have one more from Rob uh, after that so number 13 we go on to run parcel kick north america recently made it public that a formal bid was submitted to host the rugby world cup in in both 2027 and 2031 for the men's uh, game can major league rugby produce a standard of play that will allow the u.s and canada to be competitive at this level in that window what are your thoughts run parcel kick no, definitely. You know, I've, I've watched footage now for the last two weeks, every night till three, four uh, in the morning. Doing your homework, right? <laughs> not a lot of red wine. We've got great red wine over here. This is not <laughs> all the players and, and really studying tapes. And I've looked at, I've looked at two last games of, of uh, you know, America playing against England and, and, and Ireland and um, also, of, also of Canada. And there's some quality players there, you know. It's really, really quality players. And it's, again, if you go back to Japan, people laugh at them. Obviously, they've got some foreigners there as well. But, I mean, they've done well. They beat Scotland. They beat Ireland, which is one of the favorites. Everybody thought Ireland's going to play South Africa in the in the semis. And then uh, Japan put them out. And they beat two big teams in that in that World Cup. They're just improving. So, I've watched a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the American teams lately. I've watched all their games probably last 10, 15 games in, in, in last week. So there's some quality, quality athletes there. And uh, the more you play, it's just like, you know, we've seen it in South Africa as well. The more you play against quality teams, the better you get. And the more they're going to play against, even if you take a loss here and there, the more they play against, uh, you know, the, the likes of Ireland, England, South Africa, New Zealand, the more they're going to learn and, and train order. So America, obviously, it's a brilliant country. Uh, rack, uh, like South Africa, crazy about sports. And I really believe once the money comes in, once they, once they start to get guys more full-time, you know, more conditioning and, and, and more guys hopefully changing from, from American football to rugby, there's no reason why because you've got big people, you need big guys, you've got a lot of speed 
And there's a lot of heart in there, you know, guys now to win, Americans now to win, they love to win. So uh, I'm not just saying as a, as a, as a raw, raw, pure exercise. I've, I've looked at those games and there's some quality players there. And the difference is not that, you know, it's not that big. Um, South Africa's been ninth before and they won the World Cup within three, four years. So there's not a lot of difference between the top teams. And, um, you know, Fiji is getting better and all this minor unions are getting better. And, and of course, a lot of their players is playing in Europe. You know, and a lot of American players are also playing now in Europe. And there's some can- Canadians I've coached and start from say brilliant players and they get great coaching. So I definitely think, uh, you know, with all the, all the resources and, and, and a lot of, you know, if you've got enough people there, New Zealand is the world champs in South, South Africa now, but New Zealand as well, and they've got four, 4 million people. Uh, so uh, it's, I think they will definitely do well, and it will be great if they can host the World Cup. You know, I would love to be part of that. And uh, absolutely, we, of course, as, as uh, American rugby fans, uh, North American rugby fans, would love to see that happen. And obviously, a, a, we're, we're looking really more realistically towards 2031. So in 10 years' time, let's hope that you've been a major factor and part, played a major part in helping well, see that vision, <laughs> right? Because I think you have the right idea with your vision and what you see in the future for the Sabercats. But I want to move on to one last question, kind of, again, zooming out a little bit and maybe uh, throwing a softball up for you because I'm sure you have a pretty strong opinion on this one. But run past or kick, as at the time of this interview, the British and Irish Lions are set to play the Springboks in a three-test series. Uh, just um, recently, within the last day or two, the Box A team just beat the Lions 17-13, to a very narrow affair. Again, run past or kick, what is your prediction for the series? Yeah, I know that um, South Africa's got a brilliant pack of forwards. Uh, at one stage, they only played domestic players. Now they pick all their players across the world. And they've been the world champs and they've got now momentum. It's the first time ever that uh, they had the same mall, it's the same coaching staff. And in 90% plus, it's the same players. And playing in South Africa, you know, you always have to go with the home nation. If we play there in Europe at the end of the, end of the year, it's tough games as well in their conditions. Then it's always a 50-50, probably 51-49 to the home team. So uh, in South Africa, um, you know, the box probably should win that. Uh, it wasn't actually a SAA side. There's a lot of internationals in there yeah, as well. Right. <laughs> but uh, I must say that, uh, you know, um, the British Irish Lions, got a, they've got a brilliant, brilliant side. And it's always tough. You know, last time they played, it was a kick by Mordai Stein, a guy I coached him. Like, again, he came from nowhere, just hard work, and he's probably one of the best kickers in the world. So South Africa should, should uh, probably edge that, but it will, it will be tough and uh, need a lot of discipline because the discipline isn't good at the night. And that game could have gone either way, you know. They had two opportunities they didn't take. So it will be, it will be, it will be very, very close. I think the one thing that will help South Africa, uh, will help the British Irish Lions, sorry, is that there's no people in the stadium. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and believe it or not, and I mean this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but suddenly more teams win the away games because the refs are not under pressure with 50,000 people. They're crazy and putting pressure on the refs. So uh, they're just human, believe it or not. So uh, I think if there was 50,000 people and, and, and probably 10,000 uh, Lions supporters, it would have been more difficult for the Lions. But with no supporters, uh, it would be very, very even. But at home, South Africa probably should, should win that tournament. They've got a brilliant side at the moment and a lot of continuity. You know, the same team that won the World Cup, same coaching staff. So it will be a great series. But South Africa should, should pull that through. Right. So do you want to go as far to give us a prediction, a 3-0, 2-1 win? Listen, I'm the worst of predictions. My friends play this. 
games and then they ask me and they lose everything because I lose <laughs> right. <laughs> but probably I think it will you know they have quality side you know the, the, the British Isles Lions it's, it's, a, it's a pity they lost their captain um, uh, right he's coming back now and and it's a pity that you know they, they haven't had as many great teams because of COVID they've changed games around usually they build them mm-hmm. but it probably will go down 2-1 uh, it will be going down 2-1 because they're good enough to you know it's just a matter of one one thing in a game will change the game because there's right. not a lot of people I think that probably the South Africans got their edges in the scrums. Uh, you know, they've got brilliant scrums and great guys coming on. That would probably be at the end the difference. Well, I certainly, as a South African, hope that you're right. <laughs> There's plenty of people that will disagree with me, though. People go the other way. Yeah. <laughs> well, Heineke, again, from myself uh, and, and the rest of the team here, it has been an absolute honor to be able to pick your brain on what's going to come forward for uh, the Houston Sabercats as you assume that new role as director of rugby and your vision and your outlook is so positive that I think that it's definitely set upon the right path and you have the right resources available and the talent is out there as you certainly recognize in the course of this interview. So all the pieces of the puzzle are there it's just time to put it together to finally get those w's for the houston sabercats but before we head out here as i mentioned before it's important for us on the rugby rant podcast show that we give our guests the opportunity to send a shout out to anybody important to them perhaps you want to bring awareness to a special cause whatever it may be the floor is yours no it's obviously i'm i'm going to the states so i'd like to speak to those people and I just want to say that, and it's probably worldwide, but specifically coming there, it's that uh, I know it's been tough times. Um, you know, this, this time has been tough for everyone with COVID, especially started probably in the States as well, big there as well, and then in South Africa as well. So I just want to say to people out there that's listening, there's always hope. Um, you know, Muhammad Ali fought against uh, Sonny Liston. Nobody gave Muhammad Ali a chance, and uh, Sonny Liston was a world champion animal, and, and Ali beat him. And uh, I've learned from that to go out there and, and fight one more round because he wanted to quit. And his coach said, go out there and fight more one round and, and, and listen three in the towel. So my motto in life is especially to those people that lost businesses, has lost uh, you know, people close to them that lost lives. Uh, just go out there and fight one more round. You know, there's always hope. And um, if you listen to this podcast, there's one person out there I could touch with life. Uh, you know, I've gone through ups and downs in my life. I've lost a lot of games and won as well. But you have to go out there and fight one more round. And, uh, you know, we South Africans, we tough. I've heard Americans and stuff, so, uh, you know, good luck. And, and I'm looking forward to meeting people from, from Houston. And not just that, I'm really looking forward to, to meet people from, from all, all walks of life in America. And that's one of the reasons, you know, I want to travel the States and make new friends. And that's why I coach. You know, I really coach to, to, to meet people and to make it be a difference in people. Right. Life. And I think... Yeah, absolutely. I love that message. It's filled with positivity, you know, and you get up and you you fight one more round. I like that very much so. And I think that's going to resonate with a lot of the folks down in Texas who definitely personify that spirit, uh, whether it be Houston or perhaps your neighbors that'll be in the league with Dallas uh, and, of course, Austin, those three franchises. It's a rich rugby culture down in Texas that I'm sure you will find that community is very strong and very involved. Once again, uh, I wanted to be able to remind everybody that if you like what we do here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, continue to be able to like, 
share our content online by following us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod, where you can find new content, whether it be the run, pass, or kick interviews like this one here each and every Monday night at 8 p.m. Central, or follow us online through the Rugby Network, whether it be on your TV through Roku or online. You can find us each week every Friday for a new rugby debate episode with myself, Ty Braga, alongside Scott Ferrara, who joins us weekly as one of our ranters, and of course, Rob Hammerschmidt. But more importantly, we have to be able to thank, of course, Heineken Mayer for joining us here in this interview, talking about his new role as director of rugby at the Houston Sabercats organization. From myself and the team, we thank you for watching another great episode of the Rugby Rant podcast show, and we We'll see you at the next. Thank you very much. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.